0: Now. Hey everybody and welcome back to On Lost, this is episode number 36, and we're going to be looking at the episode of the midpoint of season two. And probably uh, among Lost fans, outside the finale, the most controversial episode in the series. And uh, we're going to find out why it's controversial uh, in just a little bit, but we're going to be talking about the episode Fire Plus Water. Uh, From season two, a very Charlie-centric episode. Well, really, it's a really, uh, I'd say it's a Libby, no, Aaron, no, how many punches can Locke do on Charlie's face? No, not that. Uh, It is a Charlie uh, episode, and uh, I can't do this alone, though. I have some amazing people here with me. And uh, I have with me first, I always do Corey first, so let's do Stephen first. Just this time, Corey. So, Stephen, (laughs) how are you, man?
1: Oh, I'm doing good. Just over here, marking my favorite trees.
0: Ah, marking your favorite, what are you building?
1: I don't know, maybe a church, I haven't decided.
0: (laughs) Maybe a church. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, Corey, how about you, man? What's going on?
2: Oh, not much, man. Pretty good. I'm interested about uh, interested to see where this discussion goes with this episode. Just watching it already, just like rewatching it today, I just had so many different thoughts than I even expected. So I feel like we've teased this discussion many times, and uh, now it's really happening. Hey, How are you, Mike?
0: That's I, I'm doing pretty well. I've had a long couple of weeks, but uh, I'm doing pretty well as far as I know. Somebody else tells me different. So, All right, but let's talk about Fire Plus Water because this episode actually takes place over a few days um, on the show, Um, but we'll get to that here in just a second. Thank you for joining. If you're new, welcome. If you have joined us before... We're sorry ahead of time, but welcome back, and uh, we look forward to talking about this episode. So here we go: Fire plus water. We are on days 40, I mean 45, 54 to 56. This episode takes place on. Stephen, what happened last time on Lost?
1: All right. Previously on Lost, Saeed shows Charlie the dra- the downed Beechcraft, and shows him how the Virgin Mary statues are filled with bags of heroin. Echo smashes Charlie's statue and shows Claire what's inside. She confronts Charlie, leading him to deny that he knew about the drugs. Echo and Charlie burn the plane. Back at the camp, Claire tells Charlie she doesn't want him sleeping near her and Aaron anymore. And Charlie brings another Virgin Mary statue to a hidden stockpile of them in the jungle. Bum,
0: bum, bum. This was season two, episode number 12. It aired on January 25th, 2006, directed by Jack Bender, and is written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Charlie comes to the conclusion that Aaron must be baptized and must be quote unquote saved, prompting him to recall his past of trying to save his brother. Meanwhile, the first signs of Hurley and Libby's relationship begin to show with a secret laundry. Um, I I don't I don't know. I was going to say something Changing like right there, like a steamy oh, yeah. laundry scene.
2: Action uh, show.
0: action show, yeah.
2: No, fashion show. Fashion
0: show. <laughs> fashion show. I thought fashion you said action show. show, show. At lunch. Lunch. Actually, I mean, I guess. <laughs>
2: uh, no, like uh, fashion show, like in the office when they, uh, fashion show at lunch. Uh, what, what's fashion, her name? Yep. Man, uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly. 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 That's right. Um, uh, anyway, so I have some episode factoids for us here. In uh, Catholicism, baptism, uh, or in in Catholic baptism, a Catholic godparent uh, typically, and Claire and Aaron are baptized with no godparents. And to be baptized as an adult, you usually have to do like a profession of your faith, and like there's questions they ask you um, um, about Christianity. But Echo does not ask anything to Claire about her beliefs. Um, This is, like, true, but there's also, like, some other um, details, because um, I, I actually grew—I am Catholic, and my dad actually teaches some of these classes. So, like, if you're going to be in a church, you're supposed to, like, go through a class and, like, uh, have the questions and stuff. But there's also, like, rules, like, if you are in an extreme situation, like, anybody can baptize you. Like at any point, like if you were dying on the side of the road, someone could, like, they technically, if as long as there's water, you can be baptized and then that counts. Or oh, if you were wow. baptized in a different, like, if you were baptized in a different religion or different Christian, Christian, um, sect or whatever, it still counts. They won't re baptize you. They say, like, one and done. Uh, oh, wow, okay, yeah. Is but as far as so, it is a, like the simpler thing, but as an adult, typically. You don't just get baptized, you get baptized and confirmed and communion, and you do it all at once. So that's why there's a bunch of stuff. But when I was thinking about this fact, I also you also have to remember Echo is not a real priest. And I think it's important for us to remember he is actually an imposter priest. I mean, technically, he just pretends to be a priest and he does priestly things. I do think he actually, you know, has like a good heart and he's like holy in his in his deeds. But he doesn't necessarily go by the books because he was, you know, kind of a crime warlord, not a trained uh, priest.
0: Well, I mean, a priest (laughs) is the perfect front for a crime warlord. I mean, come on. (laughs) Uh,
2: But it is, yeah, it is interesting that this whole thing has to do with baptism. I think Echo seems to really know a lot about, you know, this seems like to be important in his childhood. But anyways, uh, that is a big part of this episode, baptism. And we're going to talk about... Uh, whether this is like a, uh, makes sense in the story for Charlie, because this is just kind of out of left field in some ways. Um, but the next fact here is uh, a, a traditional flashback whoosh, uh, which is kind of like this the plane sound, uh, is used in this episode to signify the end of Charlie's dreams. Also. Um, oh. Probably because they're so weird, you need some sort of conclusion. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: he isn't pretty out there with dreams. I want to know if he ate he, some bad shrimp or something those nice nights. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, you had some dreams. <laughs>
2: yeah, he had uh, some of uh, Jin's famous sea urchin. Uh,
0: That's what it is. <laughs>
2: uh, and then additionally, the original idea for the buddies' uh, diapers commercial was to have Shaft appear on the famous Abbey Road uh, Pelican Crossing uh, in diapers, just like the Beatles and the same um, titled album, Abbey Road. Uh, but they couldn't get the permit from the city hmm. to do it. I would imagine that is a hard area to get a permit. <laughs> and I think it's actually just... I I know people who have been there. It's actually a really busy street. It's not like this area where you can like go take photos easily. So um, Plus, the show shoots in hawaii so that seems like it would be a lot of work to go
0: just to fly like four there. or five people out there and then film it It just it was a bit a lot of extra money
2: yeah i think they mainly film every i mean they film everything in honolulu honolulu right and then a few things they will film in la um maybe like special effects things or whatever but from my understanding uh and then we have deleted scenes so uh A deleted scene in this episode is an extended version of Hurley and Libby's laundry scene, uh, which is like one of the better scenes in this episode. And Hurley uh, asked what Libby did before the crash, and she told him that she was a psychologist psychologist specializing in marriage and family. And Libby asked Hurley what he did, and he says he won the lottery. She uh, actually believes him, um, leading Hurley to ask Libby to go on a walk, and that turns into their first date. So... Like, some of this stuff ends up happening anyways, but we don't really get the whole scene. Um, right. We, you know, we get a continuation in the next episode, I think.
1: And I, I gotta say, I, I went back and watched this scene, and I, it really seems like maybe they they cut the wrong part of the scene. Because to me, this part of the scene was way more important to, or this deleted scene, it seems to have have more importance to Hurley and... Um, Libby's budding relationship and the scene they showed I mean I can the part about the fact that she believed him about the lottery seems like it's a pretty big thing to Hurley so I, why they chose to cut this out I just don't understand
2: Well m- my theory would be that they already have a couple scenes where Libby talks about how she was a psychologist and then you know they have the other um scene in uh, Dave where Early, people don't believe him, and she believes him, and then uh, you know she helps him actually realize that it's not really there. So maybe they just thought we're gonna do some other stuff like this later. Let's just keep it simple. But yeah, they could have cut out uh, you know all of the vision sequences, and I would have been fine with that. (laughs) And this whole one hundred percent, yeah, especially the the first two. Um, maybe there are only two. I can't, but they're they're not great. So, and then finally, a deleted scene from this episode also shows Anna Lucia and Echo having a conversation about the others. Anna Lucia informs Echo of Jack's plan to venture into the jungle after the others. Echo doesn't agree with this idea, thinking they are safer where they are. Anna asks Echo what happened the night he killed two of the others. The night of the crash, and he tells her uh, while he is sitting uh, (laughs) next to her leaning on a tree so i mean that seems like a good scene too it seems like it follows up on the whole like jack and i are building or building an army thing which like we talked about in the last episode doesn't like fully get um resolved it seems like so and that's interesting having them rehash some of that stuff i really like when we get you know, more Anna Lucia and Echo and they're both involved in this episode to some degree. But that's yeah. it for facts. Yeah.
0: I mean I, I, I there's a couple that I would have loved to see. I think the the final one with Anna Lucia and Echo was been one that I would have enjoyed seeing um in the episode. You know, just, just loose Lu- on you know, just looking at Anna Lucia and the way she she asked stuff, just going to Echo and say, What happened to that guy? And Echo look just simply says he's sitting right next to you. You know, so he, he's, he went through, his own. I think that would have been an interesting one to see, personally. So, <clears throat> all right, here we go. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about this episode. So let's split it up this way. Let's try to deal with the flashbacks first. Um, and then after the flashbacks, we'll go to the dreams. <laughs> and then after the dreams, we'll go to the story on the island. So let's talk about the flashbacks a little bit. Um.
2: I, I think these flashbacks are pretty good, actually. I think that a lot of people focus in on the, and myself included, remember the the scene with them and the diapers, and it, it seems so ridiculous and silly. And I remember this flashback not being that great when I associate it with that scene. But overall, I actually think this is one of the this is a, is a good Charlie flashback. I'm not I don't know if I want to say it's the better one, but it's definitely better than. The one where he's like dating the girl and he steals the whatever the flask or, or whatever the thing thing is. I actually think this gives a good uh, insight into Charlie as a person, and this is like an important part of his history because we wonder like what happened at Drive Shaft and the other uh, the other fla- one of the, his other flashbacks. I think his first one we get to see like how he started doing drugs and like what happened like more like in the middle or beginning of the, the band. And then this actually gives us a lot of like what happens, like going right up to the flight in many ways, because he's trying to get, he's trying to stop. It seems like, or maybe he has. No,
0: you know, this, he, this, this takes place before the last flashback of him. We saw.
2: Okay. But this, but
0: this, this is when he's still using, but he has not gone down as the depth Because the last one we saw, he was really bombed out on it and that's when he went to see Liam
2: in Australia. Yeah, and this is the point where Charlie is like getting his life. He's like seems like he's going in the right direction. And he's he's let's just put it this way, focused on the music than the drugs. And he's actually able to show up to his niece's birth and he he makes it there where his brother is, you know, so strung out on heroin and partying and stuff he doesn't even show up to his own child's, you know, birth, and you know it takes him like a day to get there, and then you know within seemingly a, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever, uh, Charlie is with Liam again. Charlie wants to work on new music and is like, "All right, well, uh, let's, what about the next fix?" You know, he, it's still all about the drugs for Liam at that point.
1: Well, one thing I. I thought was kind of interesting here is we had previously heard Liam say that when his baby was born, he missed it because him and Charlie were out looking for another fix. But this episode seems to contradict that a little bit because, um, you know, obviously Charlie does make it and Charlie covers for him. You know, obviously he was lying, but saying he missed the flight, but it, it doesn't seem like he missed it because, you know, they, him and Charlie were out looking for a fix. So, kind of, I don't know if that was just an an error or, a, or
2: not sure what was going on with that. Well, um, I think they could have been together because it sounds like they were together, and then they split up. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe it, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I guess
1: one thing I thought was interesting is every time we see Liam and and Charlie, you know, they're they're with. You know, generally women using drugs. So, my question is Is it like, where did Liam meet his wife? Was was her name, was it Karen or?
2: Yeah, Karen.
1: Um, where, where did he meet her? Cause it seemed like all the women he met were, you know, I don't know if you call them groupies or, you know, girls that were out doing drugs with them on the road. So, he has a seemingly normal, I don't, I just, it's hard to process how he would have this somewhat normal family life um, away from all of the the traveling rock star business.
2: I don't yeah. know, maybe uh, someone from his hometown or something like that. Childhood romance. That seems to be pretty common. All
0: right, this... So do you think the tipping point for, okay, so when you think about this here, do you think the tipping point for Charlie really going full-blown out into the drugs was, so we know Liam's tipping point to go back to being a, a real dad, I hate to say real dad, but generally a dad that's actually there, in place with the kids, was... When he dropped Megan for the first time, he realized, oh, crap, I got to get right. So then he goes out, of course, and he sells Charlie's piano that we see in the famous first flashback where Liam's in a diaper playing with Voltron. Okay, (laughs) so we we he sells the piano. Liam's fine with it because Liam's like, I got to get I got to get my life back. They were getting ready to leave me. I've got to do something to change. And Liam changes but do you think that that instance of uh, the incident of the piano being sold is what tips Charlie toward the just drugged out life?
1: Absolutely. I think it did. Um, I mean, it, maybe not even so much the piano, but just, you know, being left alone without, you know, without a family pretty much, you know, his, his brother left him.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's, partially the piano but definitely uh his brother leaving him i think is 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 huge and yeah, you know, that's the band it's really just the two of them there may be some other people in the band that they kind of refer to a few times but really it's the two of them and you know charlie's writing the song which is this is would this have been the next big hit uh of f- funny now he's he's uh crying now in the rain or something i'm not I, I'm not sure See, what you guys thought of this song. I need to that audio on.
0: recording. That needs to be our intro music on this episode. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Oh. Um, yeah I'm not, I'm the, I think the jury is still out on whether this actually would have been a hit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they seem to be into it at the time. And then, you know, Charlie's uh, piano is taken. I don't know if that would really be his instrument of choice. Seems to play the bass a lot and the guitar, but... You know, he was really going for the the um, Paul McCartney kind of do like his like a, his special piano song, whether it be Hey Jude or Let It Be. Like this was going to be his big number that where he comes down and plays the piano. And uh, no, it it doesn't happen. I think that reality then crashes down on Charlie when he's alone and he goes back into the drugs harder. And it's just the natural course of an addiction yeah, and there's that can help. And his brother was probably somebody, even though his brother was a bad influence a lot of the time, I think his brother in his life, you know, was probably a was was helping him at that point. And then once he you know ditches him, and so to speak, uh, Charlie just gets worse. yeah So I like that connective tissue there where it shows us what happened with Charlie's story. I actually think these scenes with Liam, and Charlie are pretty compelling, especially the one where uh, Charlie's playing that um, questionable song and Liams into it, and, yeah, and he asks for the drugs at the end. Like that, like I do you feel some real emotion with with these scenes. And it's not sometimes Charlie's flashbacks, you know lean into the comedy more. This one definitely doesn't. Uh, I'm not like I said, the the scene with them playing, you know doing the the in the diapers, doing the commercial. A little ridiculous.
0: I, always thought, I always thought that was like the stupidest flashback moment. I mean, I get why they did it. They were trying to show how far Liam had actually gone in the drugs and how 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 Charlie was kind of there and kind of sticking up for him. and you you see Charlie stick it up for him like all the time. Well, he missed his flight. and well, he's my brother. Well, then you're both fired. So I get the flashback, but I just think it was, I think it would have worked better if they could have got, you know, the crosswalk. I understand why they couldn't, but I think it would have worked better than, you know, <laughs> the diaper commercial yeah, where Liam I, just sticks his butt through and falls through the whole, the whole giant baby gate cage.
2: Yeah, the actual what the scene is trying to portray is actually good. Like that's important to the story, but the execution, the it being a diaper commercial and just being so absurd. It just it really throws off the whole vibe of it because it doesn't it's not really funny, but it's presented in a way it's like, is this supposed to be funny? And I'm also questioning, you know, what director is going to fire the actors? I don't think that's the you know, he calls cut, says we're done. He pulls them out and then he just fires them like that. I don't know, maybe this director has all the authority, but uh, usually it's a producer, whoever's paying for the commercial, not. The guy that hired to direct it, so and that's my uh, my call on maybe a uh, mess up there, but <laughs> it makes it a lot easier, I guess, to just have yeah. one guy do everything.
0: <laughs> well, so, anything else what, about the flashbacks?
1: Well, even though you know the the scene with the the commercial, um, you know, is you know kind of controversial. I don't know uh, as far as popularity i do think one interesting part is that i you know i credit lostpedia for this when they when they walk outside and he follows them to the trailer in the background there is actually a banner for Widmore construction and this is the wow. first time in the show that wit that Whitmore is mentioned and obviously that's going to be a huge part of the show going forward so the fact that they started you know you know, kind of indicates the level of detail they put into the show that they started just working in little things like that all the way back here.
0: So do you think they actually knew they were going that way? Or do you think that by the time they got to sound like season three and four, when they knew they were going to bring him in eventually and deal with Desmond and Penny, because I don't think Desmond was supposed to be a lasting character originally. Like he was supposed to be a, a one and done kind of in and out. Um, do you think they went back and like you know what we can go ahead and make the call this guy Woodmore and then we've already got some seeds planted from previous episodes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think they knew that Widmore was going to be a thing. Now whether they had the whole thing fleshed out, I'm sure they at least had a plan that there was going to be some force called Widmore that was was behind a lot of things going on in the story. I mean. Again, you don't know what they were, you know what they had worked out at this point, but
2: yeah, well, this is halfway through the season, and we're gonna learn um a bit about Widmore, and I believe we're gonna meet Widmore in the season two finale, the Desmond episode. So they may have had an idea at this point. Like maybe they didn't have an idea when, like when they're doing the pilot or the or not the, you know the the uh, premiere of season two in the first few episodes, but Maybe at this point, they'd started to um, work their way to the end game. Yeah. Um, or at least they d- decided, hey, let's bring back Desmond, because people really liked him. I could see that. I could see that. I, feel like they, I think they left it open to bring back Desmond like to some degree. Uh, I think that was the plan. But I don't know if they were going to bring him back and have him be a regular character. I think they may have... You know, we'll bring him back and he'll die at the end or something like that. And then they changed their mind and said, no, this guy's this guy's a good actor. He's interesting. He's Scottish. So let's make and him a he's regular. Become a,
0: and, and, and he's become a fan fra- and a fan favorite. Let's kind of keep him around. So. All right. Well, if we don't want the flashbacks, let's talk about. um The dreams. <laughs> Do we need to talk long about the dreams or just kind of say oh, that? OK. They were they were fishy, somebody ate some bad, like you said, bad sea urchin stew, and that was it.
2: Okay, I want to say something about the dreams, and this is related to a bigger idea I have about this whole episode. I just need to get it out there, because I've been thinking about this for the last couple hours. So, the dreams, they're just, they're so stupid. They, they make you think that Charlie is on drugs, and you feel like he may be on drugs t- to some degree, and he's having these visions— and there's other seasons that do have some decent um, vision sequences. But I, for, for the most part, I'm not a huge fan of these. I think there's a couple with Locke. Some are hit, some are miss. I think probably the best uh, dream uh, sequence was with Locke in season one, maybe, when he has, or whatever the one where Teresa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs. That's probably the best one. I think it's in. I think it's uh, one of the Locke episodes of season one, De- Deus Ex Machina or something like that. But for the most part, these they don't really work for me. It just it doesn't seem to fit the Lost aesthetic that well. And this one just has so much crap going on. And then you even the the ones where Claire and is and Charlie's mom are now saints or angels, and then Hurley is. I, It's this weird line where they think that this is like going to be kind of funny, but it's not at all funny the way it's presented. And it just it just doesn't work for me at all.
0: No, the dreams are uh, I'm with you. The the dreams are kind of lost on me. I I think we could have done without them. I do agree that it kind of made it look like Charlie was using again. So I do think when we do talk about the island story, that the whole thing that I think Charlie was right when he mentioned a lock. He said, look, he said, how come Karis, uh, Kate sees a stinking horse and nobody says the thing? But yet if Charlie sees something, you know, he must be doing drugs.
2: This he, is very fair.
0: He's He's got a he's got a point.
2: Very fair. And yeah, they said people saw Walt and all this other stuff. All so over I get, the island. <laughs> and, you know, I don't have a problem with with Charlie having the visions I just don't think we, they needed to show it to the audience, because the scene where Charlie is talking to Echo and he's describing the dreams and he's like, Claire was there, my mom and this and the baby. I was worried about the baby. That was that sounded more interesting than when they actually showed it. I think the oh, yeah. only dream that maybe was necessary is that if they just showed the part where Aaron is in the cradle floating out at sea like that would have been that would have been plenty. But this, like, flashing around surreal, um, you know, style uh, dream is just – it William does not Stiefel's fit.
0: Playing playing with Voltron, and, I mean, we need to see him get the piano, obviously. I get it, but
2: it's, – It's just not how Lost is. That's not the type of editing. It's not the style that Lost – it just – it feels so out of place. And it ta- completely takes you out of the episode. It takes you out of the experience. And I think you said this could be an episode where some people – stopped watching like i don't think this episode is as bad as some people say but if you were to ask is this a jump the shark episode which i don't do you guys know what that means yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. like um fonzie right you know jump the shark that's like it's so ridiculous you know i'm done this is definitely a jump the shark mo- it, it could be for some people it's just too far for me i mean i i don't think so i mean there's so much Else about lost, that I can overlook nearly anything, but uh, I'm sure that like you're just like average viewer because it the you remember the premiere of this season, season two had like 23 million viewers, so I'm sure that there were a lot of people that were like, All right, I don't understand what the heck is going on anymore, I'm out.
0: (laughs) That's like that's like between seasons I want to say six and seven of The Walking Dead was kind of yeah. like when with the whole Negan introduced and Glenn and Abraham that kind of thing that's when like a lot of people jumped the, the shark and left deaths, that show. Yeah. Right. They were tired of that mess. So well, Anyways
1: and, I, said, I I started watching this show at the 23rd psalm and so 2 episodes ago and then I and then I caught up between then and this episode. So Oh my so I went back and I, I saw the hunting party live but I was still going watching the first season getting caught up. So, you know, I, obviously the Charlie was a big character in the first episode I watched 23rd Psalm and Charlie was very likable the whole first season. So this episode was kind of a, I don't know, shocker. It was just, it, it wasn't a likable episode. Um, Locke wasn't likable this episode. I didn't
0: feel. Oh, don't like, worry. I got some things to say about. yeah, it in well a yeah, I know
1: that I know that's in the in the story part of or in the island part of it, but th- this was definitely a for the first episode i I watched live, pretty much caught up. I still hadn't seen the very beginning of season two, but this was definitely not one of my favorite episodes for just what it did with Charlie and Locke, uh,
2: yeah, okay. Well, I want to give you guys my hard take here, my bold uh, take on this episode. Um, sorry, my mic is jumping up. Um, here's my opinion: Charlie should have done heroin <laughs> story. Well, a storytelling wise. Sorry, um, I'm just this. I, I had this revelation here, and it was actually I was talking to a friend at work who asked me about this. And here's the deal: I'm not advocating for drug use. <laughs> Uh, But I'm saying, if you've heard about check, if you know about Chekhov's gun, um, so that's a it's kind of a storytelling trope or or theory that if you put a loaded gun in a movie, the gun has to go off at some point. You don't just have someone put a loaded gun or show a loaded gun and the plane full of heroin. That is the loaded gun. And the fact that Charlie has these trippy dreams, people are accusing Charlie of doing heroin. He's tempted. And all this drama plays out over several episodes, and then he just never does heroin. To me, that is the the bad—that's the miss here. Because instead you have him stealing babies, and later on he's going to knock—he's going to knock out Sun and drag—like, that's all way worse. Like, if he actually fell, you know, back in off the wagon, on the wagon, whatever it is, if he fell back into his addiction, you know, even if it was briefly, that would be way more understandable and way more—you would— you would uh, sympathize with him, and I think it would be a lot more um, compelling storytelling because then, you know, he's got to make the decision again. Like, no, I don't want to do this. And frankly, it's all more realistic because, you know, people that struggle with addiction—it's not like where Charlie, you quit once and now I'm just done forever. You know, it's a—it's a battle. So, um, my buddy at work, who is a very just like logical person, he's like. This guy's a heroin addict, and they have a like lifetime supply of heroin. Like, how does he not do the drugs? Like, that was the most unrealistic part of the whole show. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's an interesting take. And I wonder if the studio—I wouldn't maybe the um, writers—but I wonder if the studio is like, we don't want like this drug use on the show. This is like one of our one of the most beloved characters. But my opinion is like, if he had actually, you know, struggled with this more and. You know, failed. It would have been um, more understandable than the crazy stuff he ends up doing, which makes him very unlikable for at least a, a portion of the show. And I think, like, like I said, the most emotional part of the show was was the stuff with him and his brother, in my opinion, in the flashback when they're struggling. If you have that with Charlie on the island, I think instead of hating him, you're going to sympathize with him. So that's yeah. just my opinion. You they bring in this the Chekhov's gun and then it's never fired and then it's like oh no he never did it and also like we've all said as viewers it's very confusing when you first watch this because just like Locke we all assume that he actually did do drugs and he is doing them so um, if you're going to lead us to believe that anyways and some people even still would would they'll remember and like oh yeah didn't Charlie do drugs again they'll remember it that way so you might as well have just done it is my opinion and and then you wouldn't have to have all these visions and all this other mumbo jumbo it would have been a much simpler story and probably um more interesting that's the end of my rant obviously that didn't really happen so but
1: (laughs) well i i feel like going back and watching it now i do believe he never used but but when watching it the first time I think even though he said he never used, I think it was still a little ambiguous for the audience as to whether he did. So, I mean, I, I definitely can see where your where your head's at there that would have yeah, maybe made more sense if he did use them.
2: Yeah, I don't know if this is like, it's network TV. They, you know, he, they already showed him get over the drugs. They don't want to go back into that again. But it just seems like they bring the drugs, they go through so m- much storytelling and plot to bring all the heroin in and then he just never does it. It seems like they don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could say it's, it's more, it's a, you know, a victory for him that he, he's able to, you know, fight the temptation of it or whatever. But uh, that's just my opinion from the whole kind of Chekhov's gun uh, <laughs> standpoint.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I think if they brought the, if they brought the drugs and they should, should have just had him use them um as bad as that is uh to make it to make it right all right so we've talked about the flashbacks we talked about the dreams um the biggest thing i had an issue with was not really as much as the dreams or the flashbacks but it was what was going on on island um there's some stuff that i liked there's some stuff i didn't like uh one thing i didn't like was i didn't like claire she was like extremely hardcore cold to Charlie, like just it's it's as if she went from I've built this friendship with you these last forty five or so days, and now I find out you lie to me about a statue that contained heroin in it. Boom, we're cut. I'm cutting you know <laughs> I'm I'm cutting you off cold turkey from any being anywhere near us. You're you're done. It's a little a little extreme. I mean I get it. That's a little extreme, in my opinion. See,
1: I, I kind of had a different uh, reaction to Claire this episode. So, like I, I thought that Claire's response to me seemed pretty spot on. Um, I mean, because basically she was asking him for space, and he was not respecting that. Um, so yeah, I mean, as an audience, you you want her to just you know, give, give Charlie another chance. Cause you know, we know he's got good intentions, but yeah, you know, she's trying to protect her baby. And, you know, as far as she knows, he's lied about having heroin, you know, or around the baby. So I, as a protective mother, I, I can understand definitely where she's coming from this episode and her baby keeps getting taken repeatedly through the, Ever since she's had him, this baby keeps being taken. So, yeah, she's going to be a little uh, a little on edge.
0: I mean, I get that. I just... And, I mean, I understand she's a mom. But I felt like, maybe not the, every time, but, like, the first time when she's, like, extremely cold to him, it seems like. Like, wouldn't even talk to him. And not even later on in the island once Charlie sees Locke. Um, which brings me to my next point. I don't know if I really like the thought of Locke that was inserting himself into the mix of Claire and Aaron like right before, you know, and I understand it got really bad. But. OK, I'm bringing out the crazy theory here, OK? I think this is when for sure, like you see the man in black playing through Locke. OK, because we get all oh, we get to the final season and. Aaron's missing. Man in Black needs Claire and Squirrel Baby. Okay. So this is him starting to create that rift so he can get his hooks into Claire. I'm just saying. That's okay, it. Okay,
2: that's completely ridiculous. again, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, okay, I don't know why you guys think Locke is in the wrong here. Locke is 100% in the right here. Uh, Claire is asking for space from Charlie, and I think Claire I is can- fine I get and, that,
0: but he's got that 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 long – okay, so when they're first – when when Claire and Charlie are arguing and Kate's trying to get them – trying to get him to leave, you have this creepy camera pan of just Locke just, like, glaring at Charlie, like – and glaring at him. It's just – yeah, it, it, it's creepy, man.
2: No, no. But Claire has tab- asked – she's asked Locke to help out to protect them because she's afraid of, of a lot of things. And Charlie was uh, being, you know, he was helping out and now, you know, she doesn't trust Charlie. So she needs somebody to help, you know, watch, uh, you know, watch over her and, and the baby, you know, cause she can't, she can't be awake all the time. So, okay. Let me just say this about Locke. I do think that Locke is somewhat of a jerk here and it, it's hard. When I first watched this, it was hard because Charlie and Locke were my two favorite characters at the time. So I didn't like seeing Locke beat up Charlie. But um, over the years, I grew to really actually understand, and I actually like this version of Locke. I like Locke getting involved in people's lives. When he gets too crazy obsessed with destiny and the hatch, like he becomes really annoying. But when he's just being like a wise, um, you know leader, I think he does a good job because Charlie's, whether he's using it or not, he's still a drug addict and he was on heroin and there's a bunch of heroin that he has in possession and he steals the baby, not once, but twice in this episode, if he's using and steals a baby, walks out in the ocean and, you know, whatever drops the baby. I mean, who knows what could happen? I mean, if you just okay. think about it, would you want a heroin addict stealing your baby in the middle of the night and running around like Locke? When Locke beats the crap out of Charlie, Charlie deserves it. He should have punched him, like, five more times. Charlie oh, see, totally I, deserved this it. This is what I He disagree. deserved to be punched, you know, in the groin, punched in the face, like, like five times. <laughs> this was totally out of line.
0: Okay, so... Okay, I think this is where we're going to disagree. <laughs>
2: so,
0: I, I, while I do agree that even though I think Locke overstepped in certain areas of this... I do think it was nice to see Locke protective of Claire when he needed to be. However, I think once that protectiveness it crossed the line of punching Charlie and then getting on top of Charlie and then decking him two, three more times, I think, okay, that's overkill. Like, I can I can understand. So you, so you deck him or you restrain him or something. But you don't sit there and beat the crap out of the guy in the ocean Obviously and if and, and, and if he is on heroin and he is on drugs, punching the guy is not going to help, regardless. That's when you restrain him and when the drugs have run out of the system. All right, buddy, we need to have a serious talk because this is this is what's going on. I just think it was a very excessive of Locke at that moment. I felt like he had pushed it a little too far.
2: Yeah, maybe think- maybe a little too far but i think there's there's a few times in life when I, you know i'm not an advocate for like a, you know fighting at all but there's a few times in life when people need some sense knocked into them you know my dad has this story the only fight he ever got into was with these guys who were um like attack or like abusing making fun of this uh, disabled woman and they went after these guys and punched them and you know and yeah they they probably you know, did what Locke did here. And it's like, you know, don't mess with this person. Don't steal a baby in the middle of the night. Like this, you you can't do this again. You, you know, need some sense knocked into you. And I feel bad for Charlie, but and to some degree, you you do sympathize because he's having like visions and he's sleepwalking. Like, does he really, can he really control this? But that's why this, the writing in this episode is so stupid, because it puts us in this situation where we don't know what to believe. You know, is, is, is Charlie really responsible for his actions or is he just, you know, is this an island vision that's just driving him crazy? So give us some sense.
0: Steven's just (laughs) sitting there like laughing at us as me and Corey are going back at it. (laughs) Go ahead, Steven. Your turn. Third party. Here we go. All
1: right. Well, I would say that I think it was harder to wrap my head around how to feel about Locke this episode than it was Charlie. Because at times Locke is likable here. I like the fact that when Charlie talked to him the first time and said that he destroyed all the statues, you know, Locke took him at his word. He said, "Okay," and then then he, you know, said, "You know, trust is hard to to earn back, but you know, you can do it. Just give her her space." So, in that point, I thought he was likable, and then he had a chance to tell Claire that he had taken the statues from Charlie later on. He chose not to. Um, Claire comes to him saying, you know, can we come sleep in the hatch? And, you know, he says, well, that's probably not a good idea because of the alarm, but, hey, I'll come sleep next to you to help keep, you know, keep you guys safe. So in a lot of ways, I thought Locke was very likable. But then there's that... The scene you talked about earlier, where you know the, it pans around him and he's got that sinister look. It's the it's the tabula res- tabula rosa, however you say it. Shot.
0: That's the man it, in black look right there. It,
1: it's the you. it yeah it's it's the exact same shot they brought back. And I don't I still I didn't understand it the first time what they're trying to tell us with that shot. It it's just so weird and off putting that <laughs> this evil, sinister look he has that then it makes you question what else he does that episode. And yeah, the the punching at the end, you know, at the time, definitely left me with a bad impression of Locke. Um, You know, in hindsight, I I can see, you know, why Charlie probably did deserve a punch or two in the face, but yeah, it, it just, it came across as like, more violent than it needed to be. You know, like there's other ways you could have got through to Charlie than, yeah, just punching him while he was down in the water. Yeah, said so the fine. first punch maybe. So yeah, it it was really hard to figure out what to think of Lock in this episode because, again, I, to me I feel like that that pan around shot that they brought back from the first season really kind of threw me off.
2: See, I I took that shot as. That was Locke like watching this, and he's like, There's going to be a problem here. Like, he's sensing like this is going to uh, culminate into something worse. But maybe, maybe that's um, not no, how it was this No, this was Locke. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. <laughs>
0: no, this was Locke accepting the inner darkness of the man in black and saying, Okay, now it's time to release this guy. To go out and and separate Claire and the baby and Charlie, I'm telling you, that's what it is, guys.
2: Well, so. so I just unless we want to talk about Locke anymore, I think you know Locke is there's it's a mixed bag here. Um, yeah, but I do think that the time we get with the Taylors this episode is, is pretty good stuff. What do you guys think? You know, I Ricky, agree. Anna Lucia has a good scene. Echo has a great, I think the best thing to come out of this episode. And here's where I have a hard time, like, falling, like, to say this episode is horrible, because in many ways it is. But there is a really good story going throughout the season of Charlie uh, and Echo growing closer together. And even though this this episode doesn't, you know, it's hard to watch, there is some good, the, the story of Charlie and the. And the statues and trying to figure out the drama between that. it's not like horrible. It's pretty interesting, and it is pretty important to this season. It carries throughout the season. And the one thing this season does well is it really does have a full um season arc in many regards, a bunch of arcs, actually. And you know every episode seems to connect and move the story along along. even though this episode you know is not great in so many ways, it does move along the story of several of the characters and echo and Charlie is one of the the good ones. And then Libby and Hurley is probably the, the uh, the other highlight. Yeah. I really
0: liked, I I really liked the, the Libby and Hurley. Um, I, (laughs) it is so funny. Like when they're talking with, when Sawyer, (laughs) <laughs> when when hurley asked sawyer so what do you think that you know you were with the libby chick for a while right so what do you you know what's the story on her and and sawyer automatically like picks up on okay hurley's got a thing for this for this was libby girl and then just starts picking on him as kate said like like in junior high and uh and i just thought that's whole that whole scene was just was just hysterical to me um and we we'll, see. What we really ought to do is we ought to start getting clips from these episodes and playing them, so we can all listen to them okay. and comment on them afterwards. Just because some of them are just so funny. And then, wow. uh, and then they're playing, they're playing poker or they're playing blackjack. And Sawyer so just <laughs> stands up and just yells out, "Hey, Louie, <laughs> and just walks in and just leaves Hurley there. And uh, she says, "Hey yourself."
2: <laughs> I, I also like that Hurley does not understand blackjack at all.
0: He's like, yes <laughs> yes it's funny to me he's like okay.
2: why wouldn't you just hit again because i'm gonna bust but <laughs> well, you might not bust oh <laughs> uh, statistically <laughs> i'm definitely gonna bust. bust that's funny that's funny
0: I,
1: I gotta i gotta say i used to i used to go to the boat and uh play my share of blackjack and i have tried to explain blackjack to a to a new person who's not used to playing and and it goes about like that, you know. It's a hard it, it's <laughs> hard to explain,
2: <laughs> you know. It is. It's, it's also when that. you don't have money down, you know, the rules don't <laughs> stick as much because it doesn't matter if you really lose. I don't know if they're playing for bananas or something here.
1: I said Sawyer hasn't heard that that uh, Hurley's a lottery winner though. So I mean, you know, he might be missing out on the chance to to get a. A nice Cash paycheck if, if they ever get if they ever get rescued. But um, I do think it's kind of funny that Libby heard Sawyer's voice and somehow just accepted that that was Hurley trying was to get her attention. Job. Like, they sound nothing alike. <laughs> Hurley is not Southern-like. So I well, thought it's that actually, was kind of funny.
2: Well, it's actually an inside joke to the fact that Hurley or Jorge, Jorge Garcia originally – uh, tried out, read for the part of Sawyer, and then
1: not
2: sure. <laughs> created no. But I mean that is true, but that's not. That's right.
0: hysterical. <laughs> but oh, but um, yeah, I, I liked that. I thought it was funny when um. Oh, what was it? When Anna Lucia and Jack are walking out of the woods, and Sawyer was talking with Kate, and you know he he's got this girl that likes him, okay, and he knows it too but he is still being Sawyer. Like he, he's still, you know, well, they done went in the woods three times today. <laughs> One where they could be up to. Gase is <laughs> <laughs> standing right there. Oh, it, it was.
1: Sawyer. Sawyer is just, he's very likable. I, I got to thinking on the, you know, how Hurley mentions to, to Sawyer, you know, asked him what he thinks about Libby. Hurley did the exact same thing with Charlie. What an episode or two ago, you know, he's been asking everybody, you know, their opinion, uh, their opinion of Libby and like Charlie didn't take him seriously. And Sawyer actually took him seriously and took it upon himself. Even he gave him a little grief, but he took it upon himself to try to help, you know, try to wingman for him. And, that was something you know. Everybody talks about the Hurley and Charlie friendship, but Sawyer's definitely being a better friend here to Hurley than
2: than Charlie ever he, is. he, <laughs> listen, man, he perfectly Sawyer, sets him up. He so says, Sawyer, "Hey, she's going to go do laundry." He he, Barney stints it. Soft
0: man. spot for for, for Hurley <laughs> the, the whole series. Sawyer and Hurley have a soft spot for one another.
2: That's it's true. Just,
0: it, it's 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 one of those unsung friendships that you don't really see it because, like you said, everybody sees Hurley and Charlie, Hurley and Charlie, Hurley and Charlie, Hurley and Charlie, but they don't really see the relationship that's built. I mean, with Hurley and Sawyer, and it's a good it's a good relationship. It's like they understand each other because Sawyer, I like seeing Hurley grow, and we'll get in this as we see it grow. But like Sawyer is constantly dogging Hurley, and then one day Hurley just. Steps back up at him and he and then and, and, and Sawyer's just almost just like Touche, <laughs> touche yeah. like it's just good, I like it.
2: You redneck guy. Right? Isn't <laughs> yeah. that what he calls him?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> so it, it so, was good though.
2: Yeah, so. I like that. He you know, he uh, he's helping he's helping Hurley out and the scene they immediately have chemistry, Hurley and Libby. So these these uh, actors do a good job. Um, you know, they make it believable and, uh, it's a fun relationship and it's worth, um, worth last. the time it gets. Yeah. Never, last.
0: Never go on a picnic <laughs> with your sniffing. Another. That's and, true. And
2: <laughs> you know what? Blankets aren't that important. Never go back for the blankets. Right. Um, <laughs>
1: now, do we, do we want to talk about the actual conversation though? And what she says about Hurley getting on the plane? So, you know, Hurley is distracted while she's trying on the shirt by the fact that he thinks he notices her or he recognizes her. And obviously, you know, we get a bit of an answer to that later on, not not a real thorough one, um, and that they were in the mental institution together. But then Libby goes into this story about she remembers him getting on the plane, and it's just not accurate to what, we saw cuz we saw Hurley get on the plane and he didn't step on Libby's foot. Libby was in the tail section. Hurley didn't get into the tail section. She said he he came on, he was the last person on with his headphones and he didn't put his headphones on until after he had sat down and gave the thumbs up to Walt. So her story here doesn't really jive up to what we saw. Now we do we think that was just an error or do we think there that was her trying to cover the fact that he was recognizing her. Any thoughts there?
2: I think that she's lying. <laughs> um, I think that she remembers the fact that they were both in the same mental hospital. And she doesn't want to, she wants to kind of hide that for now. And that's my, it comes across, they, they definitely frame this as something that is, mysterious so to me i don't really buy it um, i don't it's it's definitely not clear and maybe she is actually telling the truth and supposedly he stepped on her foot but to me i i take it as like she's making up this story yeah she probably saw him coming in the plane even though she's in the tail section and uh you know she doesn't want to talk about the fact that they were both in uh a, a mental hospital at one point is that, does that Yeah. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think she knew. I just think she, she didn't want to say, um, yeah, I just, I mean, I really don't know. I, I knew she was trying to throw him off because to be honest, his mind was probably thinking about, Oh crap. She's changing behind me right now. So he's probably <laughs> not even paying attention to the story. <laughs> so yeah. he's probably thinking she's changing behind me right now. I I don't need to peek. Don't peek. Don't peek. Cuz he's just a sweet sweet gentleman, so we never we'll never find out. They'll never be able to express their full love to one another.
2: Yeah, so well, the last thing I want to touch on I feel like is the the echo, you know, Echo and Charlie. You can see clearly Echo is starting to choose trees to cut down and then I think he's going to do it in the burnt area where, where Char- Charlie started the fire, which, you know, it's pretty dangerous, obviously. Uh, and then we have the actual baptism at the end, which is, I think is a touching moment to, to basically, um, you know, this is, they're, they're stranded on an island. And to have this sense of um, um, safety or whatever you want to call it Um of of faith and you know this this small you know kind of ceremony or, or whatever. But uh this is gonna be like one of the first of many um kind of religious I mean I guess that we've already had some, but there's definitely gonna be a lot more um religious references throughout the show. Um and this is this is one of the uh first more prominent ones I'd say. But I, I do like the idea the moment where You know, the clear moment, whether it's uh, necessarily what Echo would really do or not. But the fact that she's like, oh, well, if he's baptized and I'm not, will we go to the same place? And it's just kind of it's a cute moment. Like, well, why don't we baptize both of you? And then there's a fun little montage where, you know, he's doing the water and uh, um, I don't know what else. is There's we see a little bit of all the characters and this episode is kind of saved by. The stories that are not around, not revolving around Charlie, all the other side characters, and like I said before, the season does a good job of of checking in with most of the characters each episode and giving us a little bit of of this great cast. And that's why you can have a dud of a story, but the whole episode is still entertaining when you're watching through a season because there's other stuff in it.
0: What? Yeah.
1: I agree. I, I really like the baptism scene. I really like Mister Echo's conversation with Claire. But as I was thinking about this, I was really struck w- with, you know, earlier on, and I think in the episode facts, you talked about how, in general, and Catholicism, there's godparents, and I just kept thinking that this scene is, you know, is a nice little scene, but I think it could have been more interesting to the overall story. If they had brought in godparents, and well, here's what I was thinking: if Kate was there, I mean, Kate had been kind of protecting Claire, so if she had been chosen as Aaron's god godmother, you know, the god the godparents are, you know, theoretically the people who, if something happens to the parents, the godparents take care of that person. So if they had had Kate be you know, Aaron's godmother here, I think that could have had a real strong meaning later on in the show when Kate ends up raising Aaron for four years. I also think considering Kate and or Claire and Locke were getting close, if she had chosen Locke to be the godfather, I think that could have even pushed Charlie further. You know, into not <laughs> liking it. So I really think they missed an opportunity to do something really interesting by having godparents here. I, I don't know. I just was really thinking about
2: that. I think that's actually a great point with uh with uh, um Kate. That would have been interesting. Honestly, I think the reason they didn't is they wanted to make this a montage. So just it's simple as just showing him. You know, using the you know anointing them with the water or whatever. And you don't have to do because it's really like a 10 second, you know, or thirty second scene. But I do think that would be an interesting um, thing to tie in there. But I, I just don't think they wanted to explain anything else. And um, I think Echo maybe is like, you know, this is extenuating circumstances. We're a stranded, <laughs> we're stranded on an island. We don't, you don't, we don't need to do it with a, a Godfather and Godmother or whatever. Um, but. Uh, it's interesting because Kate basically is—you could say Kate essentially is um, Aaron's god, becomes uh, his godmother. I mean, or is his second mother, and you know what, whatever it is. But uh, definitely, a very important part of Aaron's life. Absolutely,
1: yeah, it felt like that was a missed opportunity. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're right. The reason why it was just a nice moment in a montage, but. It felt like there's just a little missed opportunity
0: there.
2: I think there's (laughs) numerous missed opportunities in this episode. Uh, Seems to be the theme here. Uh,
1: Another, I don't know that we touched on it. This is one of those things that still drives me crazy. The whole series is Charlie is a good swimmer. Uh, You know, Charlie. I know it was in a vision or a dream, but. Charlie swims out to save Aaron in the in the dream or vision, whatever is going on there. And they still said in the first season, you know, he said he couldn't swim. And then later on in the show, they multiple times show you that he's a good swimmer. So this is just kind of one of those ongoing frustrations. Was he just not wanting to go save Joanna, you know, in season one? And that, that just kind of always bugged me.
2: Well, actually, I believe. Damon Lindelof addresses this and he totally does like the political like walk out of the question by saying well Charlie's Charlie's actual line was I don't swim so you could interpret that as I don't swim like I don't know how to swim or like you know I don't swim on you know Saturdays or you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't swim in jeans or I don't swim because I don't want to um I think you're I think you're totally right. I think it was a mistake, and they changed their minds. I think the best explanation is you're like, oh, yeah, he's on drugs, and he just like doesn't want to swim, you know? So he says he doesn't swim. But no, I, I think it's definitely portrayed as he can't swim when he says that originally. And then he becomes like an Olympic swimmer. Like, that's the fin- his final uh, episode is <laughs> being this great swimmer. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness! All right. Well, we didn't have anybody die this episode, <clears throat> so no in memoriam this episode.
1: I I will run back to one one little point before we move on. Go ahead. You know, often at the end of episodes, they kind of lead into the next episode. <clears throat> Why did Locke keep these statues? You know, he locks them up in the armory. Um Changes the code, and that's obviously going to be you know come into play next episode and later on in the season. But why did he keep the statues
2: for medical reasons, right?
1: But did he talk to Jack?
0: Did this like he doesn't have to talk to Jack?
1: <laughs> like why would <laughs> why would you think like if I see heroin, I'm not thinking medical. Well, medicinal I think, purposes.
2: <laughs> I do think they use it on somebody who gets shot or something. They, they do use they it. Do. They
1: do. They do. Yeah, just.
0: Well, Why does
2: Locke know this? I don't minutes. know. But now I would. Now I know in if I'm ever stranded on an island only because of this episode. I'd be like, wait, hold on. That heroin has medicinal <laughs> purposes. <laughs> we saw it on
0: <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That's funny. Oh. All right. So let's let's do it then. Let's give uh Stephen give me 15 to 16 seconds on your overall thoughts of this episode.
1: All right. Um it's not as bad as I remember it being. Um actually I I it did have a pretty good Charlie backstory. I I agree he um you know really kind of filled in the gaps there of some of what we'd seen. Um, so there's some good emotional stuff as far as that goes. The the Locke, Charlie stuff on the island was, was pretty tough to watch, though.
0: Okay. Corey, how about you?
2: Yeah, I would say it's not quite as bad as I remember or the reputation, but I had two experiences because a few weeks ago, I said I was getting really into the season, and I just started watching ahead one day and I watched this episode and I watched a couple after and I this was I enjoyed it a little bit more and then I rewatched it today you know before the podcast and it was a lot harder so this is I'd say like if you're watching through the season it's it's all right it's not the worst but you would never ever choose to just single out this episode because it's no. just it's hard to watch yeah it's um like I said some of the other characters that are not the main characters in this story save this episode because there's some you know semi-interesting scenes that are there's still some entertainment value this especially the first 15 minutes of this episode are nearly un- unbearable and it gets a little more interesting in the second half i think
0: yeah you know i, I kind <clears> of <throat> sympathize with some of y'all sen- uh, sentiments as well with the episode i thought it was uh, i thought it was okay um it's definitely not my favorite episode of the series. Um, it's actually one of my least favorite episodes of the series. Um, so I'm on on that side of the spectrum. There are some things that did that did kind of save it, but other than that, I kind of feel like it's it's just a terrible episode. Um, I I I feel like they used Charlie the wrong way. I feel like they completely changed his character. In this episode um it it's like we had the jj abrams version of charlie and then the ryan johnson version of charlie and S. episode
2: All of oh. <laughs> oh yes i that's did good, <laughs> that's right hey that's a good people but know what the, you they mean
1: they need their <laughs> re- they need the, they need to the be release beautiful. release the, the release the lindelhoff cut
0: Released a little <laughs> long, but yes. So, but honestly, that's that's how I felt. I felt like Charlie was not like this was out of character for Charlie the way he was acting, heroin or not. This was it. Just felt like it was it was out of character. Like I could have seen this being done by Echo because Echo is is religious anyways. But it just it didn't seem it didn't seem in character. Locke didn't seem in character. Um, and that's just kind of what took it out, took it out for
2: me. I'll just wait till what he does next week. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say this whole storyline in this episode, I'd be t- content if this just became um, considered lost legends and not lost canon anymore. Anyway. Right.
0: This this <laughs> happened on one of Charlie's heroin trips from season from from season one.
2: <laughs> yeah, this episode is no longer canon. It's just part of our Legends Universe series. <laughs>
0: oh my! All right. All right, right. I think it's time
1: to to rate this episode. This should be fun. All right, we're going to rate this one out of 23 loads of laundry, because Lord knows Hurley has some loads he needs to drop in, according to Sawyer. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. (laughs) That... That was Sawyer. That was that was Sawyer. All right. Mike, how many loads of laundry do you have for this episode? All
0: right. So this is probably going to get my lowest score out of any episode we've done so far. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. There were some things like the Echo and Charlie that kind of saved it. And then the Libby and Charlie and Sawyer and Hurley and... Oh, no, Libby, and Char- Libby and Hurley and then Hurley and Sawyer. Just different little storylines that kind of perceived through as we went along. I um, was not a fan of Charlie in this episode. I think Locke was misused as well. I don't think this is typical Locke yet. Um, but for that reason alone, um, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 23 loads of laundry. So almost single digits for me for this episode. So this was... I know it's most controversial. You either love it or you hate this episode. Um, I hate... I'm just just above hate. Like, I... I it's okay, but man... It's it could go down if I really wanted it to. So.
2: I would like to meet somebody who loves this episode, frankly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really would too, but I mean, I heard people that say that this is like their absolute favorite episode of the series, and I want to know why. They really love this episode, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe they're seeing something that I'm not, or maybe they're they're on a heroin trip during the episode. <laughs> yeah. and that makes <laughs> sounds
2: an lot most easier. likely.
0: So. <laughs> All
1: right. Corey, how many loads of laundry did you give this episode?
2: I'm going to go lucky number 13 um, out of 23 loads of laundry. You know, it was, I actually was at 14 when we started the podcast, but like the more we talked about it, uh, I was like I can't I can't risk having it be 14. Like what if I give another episode 14? I don't want I want it to be on a on a level of its own. I'm not sure. I I just dropped it down one more. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but uh, you know, that's basically an. I mean, that's basically <laughs> an F. Um, yeah, no, th- this this has some bad moments, and I think what what Mike said is right about some characters not being really uh, congruent or true to themselves. And yeah, it's just yeah, some of it's it like we said, it, some of it is saved by the other characters. It's a great this is a great cast, so there's still entertaining scenes, but. If I'm really being honest, I'm like, okay, just because there's I like the actors doesn't mean this was a good episode. So thirteen out of twenty-three loads of laundry. What about you, Steven? What?
1: All right. Well, I, I thought I was pretty low, but I think I'm gonna be the high man here. I gave it fifteen out of twenty-three.
0: Uh,
1: um, I <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I I have you know the same complaints you guys do. I I think probably the the Mr. Echo content um saved it a little bit for me. Um and I did I I think the backstory was was okay. I like I, I thought the backstory was pretty solid. So I gave it yeah, a fifteen. True. Not 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 one of the best, but it honestly wasn't as wasn't as bad as I remembered it being.
2: Yeah, I might feel bad, you know, if I ever watched it again. Like, oh I should have not gone that low, but <laughs> I don't know. Probably not.
0: <laughs> oh, all right, All right, so to kind of end us out here uh, a little bit, uh, Sawyer's name dictionary: Hurley is called <laughs> Jethro, Jabba, and Hoss. <laughs> by Sawyer's episode, beautiful. Like, next episode, Sawyer really gets kicking with the names.
2: It's a Sawyer episode, so you know they're coming. They're coming oh, it's in good. hot. So,
0: but <laughs> it, he. It, <laughs> It's good to have him
1: conscious again. You know, we, the, the name dictionary it's, it's, was really more fun when Sawyer is conscious.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not on a stretcher <laughs> in the jungle. Yeah,
0: that's funny. Uh, and then the total fraud count is still at nine. So some pop culture connections. Uh, one of them is The Baptism of Christ, a, pain, a painting hanging on the wall in Charlie's Dream is The Baptism of Christ by Andrea del Varaccio and assisted bond by Leonardo da Vinci. It depicts the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. Charlie's vision on the beach is based on this painting with Claire and his mother assuming the positions of the angels to the left. Charlie's mother is the one that in the original painting was executed by Leonardo. Although Jesus and John do not appear in Charlie's vision, the angel appears, Claire and his mother, and as does the dove that flew towards Charlie. In the painting, the dove is released from God's hands. The Bible. Mr. Echo tells a story of, to Claire of the events surrounding John's baptism of Jesus. An uh, Old Testament God used both water and fire to punish sinners.
2: Hence the name of the episode, right? Yeah, fire plus water. <laughs> uh, Big Star. A
0: poster of the acclaimed 70s indie rock band named and Loa can be seen in Charlie's apartment. Uh, Star Wars is obviously reference as Surly, as Sawyer calls Hurley Jabba uh, Pink Floyd the famous Battersea power station featured on the album cover for Pink Floyd's Animals can be seen in the background of one of Charlie's flashbacks Yesterday and Today the scene where Charlie's father chops off the doll's heads as, an, as a butcher in his flashback was an homage to the Beatles albums Yesterday and Today where band members were featured among slabs of meat and decapitated dolls He's he's evil. This song by the Kinks is heard playing on Charlie's apartment when he comes home. It was also heard being sung by Charlie in the 23rd song. Uh, Papa loves Mambo. (laughs) This song by Perry Como is heard on the record player when Hurley and Libby do their laundry. Uh, Bonanza is referenced when Sawyer calls Hurley Hoss. Uh, Love Connection. When Hurley asked Sawyer if Libby is cool, <laughs> Sawyer asked him if he has a Love Connection brewing. Love Connection was a popular American talk show television game show in 19, 1983 to 1994. <coughs> Whew. Uh, Jethro is from the Beverly Hillbillies. And then uh, Voltron, Defender of the Universe. By the way, a new Netflix series, really good. For Christmas, Liam receives a Voltron toy based on the animated television series. And that is all of our pop culture connections.
2: Wow. You had a love connection to uh, pop culture there for a second. Was just... There was a ton. There was a ton. All right, so we are pretty much through here, but the next episode we have coming is the long con this is uh one of my personal favorites i don't know if i'd say it's like one of the like best ever but i just well i just have a a special soft spot for the long con it's a sawyer episode you know some of what happened in this episode is going to carry uh uh, this previous episode is going to carry over and it's just it's great so one of the highlights of season two for sure and possibly the best Sawyer episode that's up for debate, but it's it's up there. It's a good one.
0: Isn't that the one where he goes up to Charlie and says, How does it feel to be the most hated man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the camp?
2: <laughs> oh. There's a new sheriff in town. Y'all you know, best that's get funny. used to it. Yeah. That's a little tease.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, if you want to tease
2: us some more, you can follow us
0: on RetroZap, app, guys. Um, You know, I'm going to go through this spill. Um, We do it all the time, but Twitter is RetroZapped, uh, at Lost Rewatch Pod. Um, You can find me on Twitter, at TheDCMike. Steven, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: At Lucky13Steve.
0: All right, and Corey, where can we find you?
2: Uh, On Twitter, at OriginalMav. Mav?
0: And you can find us on Instagram uh, at previously on Lost Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com/PreviouslyOnLost. You can find us in the Discord. So go to retroset.com for more details on how you can join our Discord. And while you're there, read an article or two, and check out another podcast as well. So uh, be on the lookout for those. Y'all got anything else?
2: That's it for me. All
0: yeah, right. Well, up. this has been Previously on Lost, episode number 36. Um, I'm going to run out and go swimming in the water in the middle of the night because I've had a weird dream so till next time
2: <laughs> don't steal any babies <laughs>
0: <Don't almost laughs> steal any baby. wow what a disclaimer hey Richard's App does not promote or endorse any kind of stealing of babies at <laughs> all just so we know <laughs> until next time everybody peace out
2: Have peace good- out